This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship. So you too can be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuro-emotional technique practitioner, and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser. All right. So, today's guest is John Strelecki. He is the number one best-selling author, inspirational speaker, adventurer traveler. His purpose is to create a museum day moments for himself and others we're going to get into some really amazing conversations about how to decide what your mission and purpose is, how to put into play, how to have meaningful interactions with yourself, how to have more meaningful interactions with others, how to let go of some of the chaos and conflict in your life. And one of the things that you're going to love, because our conversation that you're about to hear was so perfect for everything that this podcast exists for. So I hope you enjoy. I very much look forward to hearing your feedback. Please make sure you send us any messages on You Winning Life on Instagram. You can reach out to me on other platforms, Facebook, wherever you know where you can track me down. If you haven't yet seen us on TikTok, we're there as well under You Winning Life. And if you'd like to find out more about working one-on-one, doing any type of therapy or coaching with me, or you'd like to find out more about any of our guests, please reach out directly to myself as well as the guest and as promised here's john strolecki all right so everybody welcome back this is going to be yet another well for me like i guess every episode i always say this this could be yet another really awesome conversation even before i know i'm having the conversation because i know the people that we're bringing to hang out with us is spot on with everything that i know our platform Uh, for this podcast is trying to accomplish. And as you heard from the intro, John is just doing some really incredible stuff. Uh, You heard that he just has this really fascinating background. Um, And we're going to get more into that because the topic I, you know, I want to start off with you, John is first of all, welcome. And thank you. Great to be here. I'm glad that you're here and we're, we're, we're quasi neighbors. You're just a little bit further North, if I'm not mistaken from me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm center of the state. Center of the state. Yes. So, you know, I definitely want to start off with a little bit of your journey because as people know from my show and what we were talking about a little bit, I was working at a university that I never would have gotten accepted to as a student. And I, <laughs> and I always joke of like, what would it be like now to reapply right. to, to that type of school and see what happened? And do some type of like, you know, documentary slash book on, right, you know, right. going back in 44 to to apply to an Ivy league. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, just those little way stations along the way, because right. People know you're now an author and you're doing all these really cool things, but you had to have these trials and tribulations to give you these things to journey on. So, yeah, totally. So, So, I mean, I've got some major, uh, left turns in my path. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was growing up. I looked at the world around me and thought, I don't get it. I mean, you seem to go to school forever and then you get a job that you don't like, and then you do that job until you're 65 and then you finally get to do the fun stuff. So that path looked ridiculous to me. I didn't understand that at all, but I didn't really see that there was a whole lot of other options. And so I gravitated towards something 
which was flying, I thought, well, I'm going to be a pilot because I knew that pilots had a lot of time off um, because they could structure their schedule like three days on, four days off, four days off, three days on. So you'd get like these big gaps of time in. I knew they got well paid and they got free airline tickets. And I thought that seems like the best out of everything I know about life. I'll do that. Uh, horrible reason to pick a career. I mean, like somewhat good intentions, but so obviously clueless in retrospect. Anyway, so I got on that path and invested all of my life savings uh, in that dream, only to then find out when I was 21 that I had a heart condition that had never been diagnosed before, which only matters if you want to be a pilot or an astronaut and is so incredibly rare that when you combine those two things together, I could probably win the lottery five times over before I'd qualify. For wow. Yeah. Um, and so then that sent me into a massive tailspin of, well, wait, what am I going to do now? And then through a series of strange coincidences, circumstances, um, I applied to a place called Northwestern's Kellogg School of Business. And uh, I had been flying for quite a while doing all kinds of different stuff prior to getting the, the United Airlines rejection. And uh, so I applied to the school and I got rejected from there also. And I always laugh because they sent a letter saying, if you think you've been incorrectly rejected, you can contact us and find out why. So I did. And they said, we don't think you have enough practical work experience. So Jason, I sent the biggest FU letter that has probably ever been written. I mean, I was just, I was at this total breaking point right. emotionally. You know, I had invested my life savings since I was 12 years old in this dream. It was taken away from me after I'd already envisioned myself like super successful driving a Corvette, United Airlines yeah. captain, you know, and all that was gone. And I had no real next destination in mind. And then I apply to this and they're like, no, because we don't think you have enough work experience. So I write this scathing letter talking about what it's like to be a pilot, a pilot lives hanging in the balance with you. Never expected to hear anything back. But as you, a therapist know, it was like a bit, a little bit cathartic for me. So lo and behold, like six months later, I get a letter in the mail that says, hey, you're actually accepted for the fall. Uh -huh. And I know crazy, right? So somewhere in the... Uh, in the halls of Northwestern University, there is a admissions person who I owe so much to. Uh, and I'd hope to find who that is someday and come thank them. But uh, so, yeah, so I ended up going and getting my MBA, which was definitely a step up in the right direction for me. But after four and a half years of that, like I, I just, I was doing consulting, I was well paid. It seemed to be good, but man, oh man, I don't know about you if you've had this life experience, but I'm looking at the people 10 years older than me and saying, nothing wrong with them as human beings, but I don't want to be that. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. You know, yeah. I don't want to be that, that woman. And so uh, I decided to chuck it all, left it all, went and backpacked around the world for a year at 32, which everyone says that's insane. You don't do that. And, uh, but it changed my life completely. And when I came back from that experience, uh, I had a stream of conscious experience, which lasted for 21 days, which became the cafe on the edge of the world. Mm -hmm. And fast forward now it's in 43 languages has sold 4 million copies and is being turned into a movie. So Long story to explain that sometimes in life you get directed along paths that you can't understand why in God's name you're sending me down this path or my life is going off the rails. And sometimes you only see why later. And now I can see it. Yeah. Like if we just stop the interview there, this would have been enough, <laughs> right? And, and, and I think this is so apropos to one, right? It's, it's what day are we? We're in the middle of July. And we have no clue with the uncertainty of an economic turn in our yeah. in, in America. Um, there are people that are 
everything is going to tank and we're going to go back to like, you know, whatever it's going to be. And there are people like, no, it's not so bad. We are in it right now. And right. This is the worst it's going to, there's so much. And then we have all the politics and all the other stuff, the amount of uncertainty that we have in stuff that we have absolutely no control over. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And what I think you're talking about. And I think what's so cool about all the things that you're doing and focusing on is having the, leveraged control at some level. And obviously we can't really, really control, but at least being strategic about taking control and taking advantage of your own life in a way that is practical, simple, meaningful, and purposeful. Yeah. Let me, so you just raised something that, uh, cause we we're talking a little bit offline, like mm-hmm. were some of the key things that would be awesome to share with your audience. And my intuition just pinged with one. Here was one of the biggest ahas I ever had in regards to that. So if you think of life as like, streaming services or like massive cable channel. And there are a thousand channels to be watching. It's intriguing to me how in this day and age we're bombarded with advertisements and like everybody wants you to watch their channel. And what's fascinating is that certain people will look at a channel that they find particularly offensive and that they don't like, and they will then spend 90% of their awake life telling everyone else about how horrible this channel is and they'll watch it to confirm for themselves just how bad this thing is this is unbelievable this is an atrocity to humanity and they will tell everyone about it and all they need to do is just turn the channel you know like it's if it's not your thing that's okay it's not your thing but there are a thousand other channels out there so to me the big ahas in life is like listen yeah like to change the channel i literally i'm cracking up over here for you might those who are listening to the audio you can probably hear me like snickering in the background but i'm like literally in tears right now because i had this conversation two hours ago with one of my clients (laughs) and i have this conversation all the time like i'm a curious individual so like i'll put me into context first of this versus like those who are definitely stuck in that right so for me like i'll listen to opposing political views because i like hearing where are they coming from right as a therapist and as a sociological phenomenon i like right i'm gonna go to a comic-con because it's just fascinated by the by the culture and the society and i'm so thankful that people who didn't have a community before that were just pre-internet and pre-things like had no one to connect with and now right you can show up in that way with any type of hobbyist type community there's because of social media and that people are now connecting right that's the positive of all that that's the other end of the spectrum of what i think you're talking about the other side of the coin is the people who are literally going on facebook all day and posting and being miserable and spent and I, I see this all the time. I'm like, don't you all have jobs? Don't you all have like, <laughs> like, do you not know what your mission and your purpose is that you have this much free time to waste on such low frequency crap? Well, so here's yeah. the motivator for me. If if you break it down, life is approximately 28,900 days, statistically, hopefully Correct. a little more, sometimes less. Yeah. 20% of men, by the way, do not even make it to the 28,900. 20% of men don't even get to 65. And so- if you think of those two things, then you're like, wow, yeah, do I really want to spend my time, my day focusing on this channel or this group of channels that I think are so horrible? Or do I want to focus on something else? And another data point that helps reframe that completely, this is one that really hit me a couple of years ago when it came to me was, okay, so I'm 52 years old. I get 28,900 days, which is about 78 years old. Think of something that you love to do, right? Um, maybe it's Christmas, right? Or a particular holiday or a particular time of year. Maybe it's like sunsets in July happen to be so amazing in Hollywood, Florida, right? Whatever. At my point, 
Jason, I have 26 more of those and that's it. Yeah. And so am I really going to want to spend those precious minutes of my life focusing on this thing that I can't stand? So I came up with a little moniker for myself and I'll tell you why it happened. I'd be driving up to the toll booth to get on the Florida Turnpike, which is mm-hmm. close to my house. And they have raised the price of the Turnpike like to infinity. And it seems to happen all the time. And they keep planting these palm trees everywhere so that they can spend all the money that they collect. And this would irritate the daylights out of me every time. And finally, I was in my car and I was like, you know what, dude, if you're not going to do something about it, then just stop caring. Amen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Otherwise, why? Why would I spend the time on, you know? So I try and look for these little moments in life where you get these kind of clues about like, wait, your behavior is not really getting you where you want to go. Correct. And and that's the day in and day out of what I'm working with my clients on, on, you know, it's my goal for a lot of things that will solve. A lot of times the problems don't even need to be solved. They have to be made inconsequential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And a hunch of that is coming from intergenerational themes and, and culture and gender and all the things that we're predisposed biased with but that other things have made it consequential and you've bought into the consequentiality of it versus wait, why is that? It's not what it is. It's what's the meaning about that thing to you. Right. So you're saying, well, they raise the fees, but why are they putting more trees on it? Like it doesn't make a difference, right? People are driving by at 90 miles an hour. No one's noticing it anyway. Right. (laughs) And I was just on that turnpike a month ago. So in that area. So (laughs) I very much get that. And I think that's the same thing of like what you were saying before. There's an Esther Hicks uh, law of attraction story of like, she went to her friends and, um, you know, her friend was playing this song. She's like, oh, that's a really interesting music. Like what, 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 you know, why do you have that channel on? Oh, it was my mom, my mom's favorite channel or my mom's favorite record or whatever. And she's like, well, do you like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right? right. So how many of us in the right, if you're listening to this, what is the thing that you are doing? that you are doing out of autopilot, that you're doing out of predisposition, whether it's your gender, your culture, your race, your heritage, your religion, your stage of life, that is absolutely not yours, that you are allowing yourself to stay stuck or victim to just because. Yeah, and I'll uh, add on two parts to that. So I'll share the two parts first, then we can go in deep as you want. So the first one is to challenge every single belief you hold. And it goes to your point exactly that when we are raised, whether you're raised in a loving environment, a non-loving environment, you are absorbing belief systems that are not of your choosing. And when you get to the adult stage, now you actually get to decide, is it true or not? And so much of our life is driven by, I believe this, whether that is, I believe it's unsafe to go to Mexico because the water is unsafe to drink, or whether it is, I believe this person who looks this way has this intent rarely is it based on our actual personal experiences. But if you play this little game with yourself where every time something pops into your head, yeah, I believe that. Why? It's amazing how you can clear out the clutter. Correct. Uh, And Correct. the second one is, this goes so to your point. I was driving with my daughter one time. She was in the back seat in the car seat. She was like two years old. Guy cuts me off on the road, like literally just inches away from my car. Jason, I'm livid. Like, I feel that it's the, one of those moments where you're just like, you boil over with mm-hmm. anger in just a second, right? And I feel this anger inside of me. And the guy is just flying. Like, by the time I can even process my anger, he is two miles down the road. I can barely see his taillights anymore. And in that second, I asked myself, why do I feel this? Like, why is this anger coming up in this moment? And what I realized in that second is something that has transformed my life forever. And that is that anger is a manifestation of fear. And when I'm angry, if I can ask myself, what am I really afraid of right now? 
I'm not saying that it's always one of those things where the minute you ask the question, you're like, oh, I'll just let go of the anger. Sometimes I just want to be angry, correct? Right. Yeah. But in that moment when it happened, I said, what am I angry? Why am I so angry right now? And what I realized was this idiot just cut me off. I don't care about me, but does he realize who's in the back? That's my kid back there. Like, yeah. I love that kid more than anything in the world. I would die for that kid. And you, and so you, almost, flagrant- and you almost did. And you, and yeah, and you so flagrantly and with disregard for her life. Now, of course, he doesn't know that. He can't see through my truck windows, right? But this is unbelievable. And oh, by the way, by the time I could even process this, like I said, he was so far down the road that the issue was already gone. Mm-hmm. And so this ability to allow ourselves to ask if something makes us angry, what am I really afraid of? And how likely is that to happen? And therefore, should I even care about this or not? Right. It's just been tremendously helpful moving into that level of self-awareness is a practice in of itself. Cause the, you know, I, and I see this as like developmental stages of like ahaness and I had this conversation yesterday with one of my clients of like, you know, there are people who are like that are so oblivious and they have no clue. Like, wait, this driver may not have been oblivious. They're just so self-absorbed, whatever it may be. And then you have the people who are like, who know that they need to do work on something and don't have the internal or external motivating factors to get there. So they're just struggling in that suffering of that. And they're trying to either find a way to avoid it or not deal with it or push it back. And like, right. And that creates a whole bunch of physiological stressors and whole nother conversation of how that manifests. But then you have the people who like know and they're doing it, but they're like doing it half-assed, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like I'm right. It's, it's, it's the personal development war, you know, junkies that like they're going from conference to conference to conference, but they're still stuck in the same old crap because they're not doing, they're going and showing up, but they're not doing the work. And I see this as like, and there's obviously other stages of this that I'm trying to break, you know, figure out and break through, but, and understand, but I see a lot of like when people are listening to, especially like, why is someone listening, right? Why are you guys listening to my podcast right now? What are you hoping to get out of it? What are you hoping that I and John and whoever else that's been on the show will give you that will make this one silver bullet change in your life? What are you hoping for? What are you expecting? As if. I have the answer or John, has, well, John might have, John has the answer. John's written a bunch of books. So that's not, that doesn't tell you that someone has the answer. Right. So, right. But what are we all hoping for that something outside of us is going to give us this game changing life changing ahaness as opposed I think to just being a reminder of what we already knew. I think that, I mean, I can say it for myself. I've been Please. in every one of those phases you talked about where, Either I didn't know that there were options or I was in a place where I didn't want to accept that there were options and I was hanging on to my personal pity party or my frustration. I've been in all of those. And so I, I totally understand if someone is any of those places and uh, know that you're not alone. Like mm-hmm. we've all been there. And so for me, the trick is, okay, if this experience of 28,900 days is a game and we get to play the game. It does not come with the rule book. It does not come with the guidebook. And so the trick in life is to find these ahas, these moments, again, something like anger is a manifestation of fear. It took me 30 plus years to figure that out. But imagine if somebody who's listening is 16 or 17 and they get to have that awareness. And again, I'm not saying that every time they get angry, they instantly go Buddha and they don't have to worry about it. But just the fact that you know that can be transformative at such an early, maybe it means that you don't enter a relationship where you either accept being yelled at or you yell at somebody else. You're willing to think about that part of the game of life differently. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that's, at least for me, that's one of the reasons I listen to your show. It's one of the reasons I listen to other podcasts. I look for these little hacks, these things that I'm like, wow, dang, how did I go through 52 years on the planet and never not think know about that? It? Yeah, right? right. And I think that's a beauty of this like leverageable platform. And you're right, you told, we talked about you when you're driving, you get to listen to stuff and what, what's the best way for people to consume this thing. And uh, I think we're all trying to figure out and that, and you know, the, I think that we're like the life hacks of, you know, become the, the cliche term because it only goes as far as implementation. Yeah, totally. Things, right. So, totally. I mean, cause I talk about like, you know, there's, there's stuff that I'm like, Oh yeah, I know I'm doing that wrong or I know I need to work on that, you know, and that could have been a level of an aha moment, but then there's like, Oh, <laughs> aha. Yeah. Right. And I had one of those two weeks ago with, uh, I was doing some work on, um, my personality stuff through the Enneagram, uh, psychological type typology. And the person asked me, was like, so do you have like some, like talk about anger. He's like, do you have, do you have a thing in your life where there's like, you just want to tear it down from the institution, like tear down the entire institution or tear it, or there's a person that represents something. I'm like, and I literally, that mother effer. And I, and I blurted out that person's <laughs> name. Like it's my, like, you know, my arch nemesis, right. like my Thanos to like, yes. you know, whatever. And like, I don't know, this person still exists in the professional world. And then I'm like going on this like rant and I feel my whole body physiologically changing. It's yes. like, yeah, that's that. That's, that's what exactly. that is. <laughs> Why, oh, 40, I turned 44 last week. And it took me 44 years to realize that this one thing that has separated me from being really involved in certain things is based on this. Yeah. And it's yeah. anger based on how someone's harming other people in a very unique way. Yeah. And so this is fascinating because it's obviously a topic that brings out that unbelievable emotion in you. So you care about it. And at the same time, it's just like the tolls. If it's not something that you're going to actively be involved in deconstructing, then turn to a different channel, add your genius to the world in your way and assume that that is enough. Right. And I'm not saying that's easy, everybody who's listening. I'm just saying that I've figured out that if I spend my time on the channels that I can't stand, I just am not happy. Right. Yeah. And just to take it further, I got all of a sudden that person's been on my radar and all of a sudden I open up a psychology today magazine and I'm like in the little side article on the sideline is an advertisement for this person's new book. Yeah. And I'm like, how are they letting, do they not do their vetting and do their due diligence of Googling this person? And they're letting, well, it's probably because they want his money. Like, like if you Google this person's name, you're like, how can anybody do business with this person in profession? This is someone in my industry. Right. And um, it's not an own secret either. If you know who this person is in my industry and you're my, you know, my local community. So it's like, but I'm like, okay, I'm either, is it, what is my emotional, is this the vigilante Jason that needs to tear this down to protect other people when I, or am I just not believing that people can't do their own due diligence and I need to, right. Or, or it could that, be, it could be also, this is one that I've experienced in my own story too, that it's the maybe being a good guy is actually the wrong path. Mm -hmm. You know, like doing good things for other people, playing by the rules, helping people, maybe I've actually gotten it wrong. And at the end of the day, I'm going to get screwed over. And then I will realize what a complete idiot I've been this whole time. Uh, like, yeah. I know it's not true. I firmly believe it's not true. But in the moments when you see the people who are the opposite of that succeeding in some metric that you also either have a desire to succeed in or that right. you see as a success metric, you're like, what the F? Like, sure. Yeah. Whether it's ethics and morals and any of that stuff. Right. So, right. It's, right. So we each have, and that's what I like want to hear people to hear from our conversation in this segment alone is, is there's not the thing, 
whatever the thing is, is the thing, but it's our beliefs, assumptions, and expectations about what that means for you in regards to that. And that's kind of where, you know, it sounds like a lot of where you're coming from and I come from with my work is, is overlapping to that, right? The, the meaning of life and the success for life. Well, it's not like having a thousand dollars extra to spend a month to travel. It's what is the meaning about what does travel mean for you? What does that freedom mean for you? It's right. Everything is metaphorical representation and, and, and therefore in order for us to get what we want out of life, we have to be aligned with that. And, and some of that's in our hands. Some of it's not in our hands, but I know you talk about this thing called cosmic alignment that I want to have people. Yeah. Yeah. So the cosmic algorithm of the universe, this is a place where I've been spending a lot of mental energy over the last, I would say 24 to 36 months. And this is, I'll give you the very simple example. And then the way in which I realized it impacts our everyday lives too. If you get on Google and you type in purple cows with pink polka dots, and you type that in a thousand times, pretty soon you're going to be getting YouTube videos about that articles about that. It will start showing up in the advertising panel. The algorithm is learning that for whatever reason, you actually care about this. And what I've discovered is that this type of algorithm seems to exist on an ethereal plane that we can't see, but is always out there. And the way in which it manifests and a really basic example is if you are thinking to yourself, I wish I was more adventurous, or I wish I was spending more time with my kids at their baseball game, but you're sitting at your desk for 12 hours a day, the algorithm is looking at your behavior and saying, huh, well, I mean, he's a creature of free will. And we live in a benevolent presence. So, I mean, I don't get it because his back is hurting and he really wants to go to that baseball game. I can tell emotionally that's important to him, but his behavior suggests that this is more important to him, this sitting at the desk thing. And therefore, as a benevolent universe of benevolent energy, I will give him more of that. So your 12 hours goes to 14 hours. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have unfortunately demonstrated this to myself. Um, But then the flip side is also true. The minute you lock into what is your purpose? What is your intention? So the first question in the cafe book, why am I here? Like you get life 28,900 days. Why? Why are you personally here? The clearer you are on that, the more you lock into that and the more your actions demonstrate that the algorithm starts to notice. And that is when you have the random conversation in line at Starbucks talking about New Zealand because the person's wearing a New Zealand shirt and you've always wanted to go. Like it is, I can't explain exactly the way it works, Jason, but I can see you nodding. I can see you like, yes, you've lived this. And I just know it's out there. Live I've and seen breathe enough this. data points that Correct. it's true. Well, well, right. Whether you want to call that law of attraction, whether right and law of attraction is the spiritual perspective of, 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 of neurology, everything yeah. you're talking about, right. I really explain this to my clients in the simple way, whatever your, your, your beliefs and your thoughts are is sonar. It's going to be sent out to the world and you're only because your, your, your neurology, right? Your neural pathways and your synapses and your neural networks yeah. only can identify that, which is in alignment with that because those get compounded into those perspectives and that becomes your emotional reality and you will never get anything different than that, which you believe. This is not like this woo-woo tree hugging. I mean, it is in, in that essence when it's brought into the thing, but this is like hardcore neuroscience. This is neuroscience 101. Right. right. So these are all your neural pathways that could created that right then that affects your physiology, that affects your emotions. And and one of the things that I do as this neuroemotional technique practitioner is when I heard this when I um, started doing this mind body modality that I'm that I practice, it, when they taught us that emotions aren't psychological, they're physiological. 
Mm. That just like blew open this whole entire paradigm for me. Yeah. Where it is based. Now, if we clear out the triggers and your beliefs and your something, then you're going to have a different relationship to emotions and you're not stuck in them. You're not triggered, right? The trigger Mm. doesn't continue to snowball. But exactly what you're telling, and again, day after day after day, this is everything that, that you and I are both doing in our own unique ways with the world is you are what you believe. Yeah. You know, what's so amazing about what you said. I've never thought of it this way, but I remember going through an event one time and they were talking about eating healthy. And you'd think after decades on the planet, I was probably in my early thirties at that point, it would have already hit me, but their simple boil it all down into one sentence perspective was, listen, whatever you eat provides energy to your body. So just be conscious of what you're putting in there. And is that the kind of energy you want yourselves to have? Yeah. Totally reframed my perspective on food, but what you just said reframed it again, which is if your emotions are creating the physical manifestation of you, whether you're in pain, if you're storing the pain in a particular part of the body, then just be aware. And are those the emotions that you want creating this physical part of you? And if it's not, feel free to let them go or change them. Yeah. And that's what neuroemotional technique NET does. And that's right. That we're, we're handling the physiology of stress. So it's mm-hmm. not neck up right now as a licensed therapist. Um, and what brought me into that was like, I was having panic attacks around the time of my divorce and I did everything from acupuncture to herbs. I went to a psychiatrist to a neurologist, nothing really worked. And then like three sessions of NET, my panic attacks went away. That amazing. Which a month later I jumped into becoming a practitioner of this and <laughs> right. And, and this is like a big part of what I do with my clients in person. And there's practitioners, all over the world that are certified in this, but it really is. It's that 99% of the time, what you, what we think it's about, is not what it's about. Yeah. That's just the story within our conscious understanding of what we think is going on. And therefore we label it or call it something. Yeah. But really what it is, is a physiological manifestation of some old stress pattern. That's just bouncing up against something in present day. Yeah. That is similar to that. And that's when it's coming up today as opposed to the original event where this got stored in your nervous system. And therefore we got to pull that Jenga piece out and make it fall. So I, I think that when you're talking about meaning, when you're talking about purpose, that we're working against those things. Cause one, we haven't asked that question. Um, and I love the idea of like not waiting for it to smack us across our face that we have to seize and choose, right? That carpe yeah. diem, it's not carpe diem, it's carpe, whatever purpose is in, in Latin, can, if someone can like hit me up on that, like someone can Google that for me so I don't have to do that. Tell, tell me what the word purpose is in Latin and it's carpe purpose versus carpe diem. So, um, but it's choosing what your purpose is, choosing what you want your outcomes to be, and then figuring out what you said. What are your beliefs that contradict that or won't allow you or limiting you to get that? Yeah. And reverse engineered from there. I think if we apply those two approaches together, holy crap, yeah. John. Unbelievably holy powerful. Holy crap. Yeah. And I think the the motivation to do that comes about the more you allow yourself to touch greatness and whatever greatness feels like for you. So I'll tell you a very simple analogy that uh, it's, it's part of uh, something that I wrote called the Big Five for Life. It's something that hit me in a little museum here in Winter Garden, Florida. So I love when my actual life experiences then manifest into something that's much broader. Yeah. So I'm walking through this tiny museum and it's just a little tiny two-room museum by a railroad track in Winter Garden, Florida. And there's all these pictures of people from like the 1920s, high school graduation pictures. And I remember walking through there and thinking to myself, wow, like everybody in these pictures is probably gone, you know, because at that point they were 18, so like 100 years. I wonder if they did it. I wonder if they lived the life they dreamed of living at the day that picture was taken, you know? So did they did they ask out that person they always thought was so amazing? Did they get on the tramp steamer and go see the world? 
And what this manifested into is something called museum day. And so here's the super brief version of it. If we imagine that every life, every day of our life, like every moment of our life is recorded, um, the things we say, the things we do, the places we go, and towards the end of our life, a museum is built to honor us and it's going to show our life exactly how we lived it. And so if 80% of our time is spent focusing on the three channels that we don't like or you know, complaining about the toll road system or at a job that we don't like, then literally that would be 80% of your life museum. And there would be huge video screens showing you stressing over the palm trees in my case, right? Um, doing this job that you can't stand. If you loved helping clients or if you loved uh, swimming in the ocean off the coast of Florida, but for whatever reason, you just gave that just 2% of your time, that that only gets to be 2% of your museum. Yeah. And this was the big aha. Then as I was walking through that tiny little museum, I thought to myself, wow, imagine if after that entire museum was built, that when you die, you become the tour guide for that museum for all of eternity. And when I had that thought, as I was walking through that tiny museum, it reshaped everything mm -hmm. for me because that is the motivation to be willing to look at the beliefs and say, okay, if I'm not getting from where I am to where I want to go, what belief is holding me back? And the better that museum wing I want to look, because I really want to be snorkeling off the West or the East coast of Florida on Peanut Island, or I really want to be experiencing whales in Hawaii. The more I touch that stuff, the more painful it is to hold on to these beliefs that are keeping me from that. So hopefully for somebody who's listening, this museum thing has really just been a very powerful way to look at the world for me that has helped yeah. me a lot. And and I know for a fact how many people are stuck in not doing proactively what serves them on behalf of someone else's story or expectation or hope for them. Mm. And I mean, it's just reminded me like I did a speed dating thing two weeks ago. And one of the first people I was, I jumped on and I'm like, Oh, wouldn't you know, of course, right in the seven minutes, what do you do? What do you, whatever. And, and my question to them was like, Oh, do you love it? And they're like, no, I'm like, Oh, well, what would be your dream? You know, I'm not, I'm trying not to play too much therapist in that moment, but I'm curious. Cause I want to see like, what is this person's motivation? Right. Like, how much are they, are they, you know, at least on par with excitement and motivation as I am with what I do. And they're like, no, I have this dream of doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, well, what's, what, when's that happening for you? Right. And they're like, no, I'm like, well, I'm like, no, I think I'm thinking I'm just going to stay with what I'm doing. I'm like, well, why is that? They're like, my employees are really nice to me. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. I've heard, well, they have a good 401k plan. I've heard, well, oh. the commute isn't too long. I low hanging fruit too low. Right? Totally. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, because there are those same wonderful, don't get me wrong, those are wonderful aspects of a job, but there right. are those same wonderful And they're aspects. wonderful people. These and people wonderful, are wonderful people, people, yeah. Where you also are super jacked every Monday when you wake up and get to work. Yeah. And you owe it to yourself if you're listening to this, if that is not you. Because one of two things is going to happen. Uh, we either end up with the near-death experience where you know you have the, the unexpected heart attack, the cancer diagnosis, the oh, horrible thing crap. happens to either you or yeah. someone close to you. And then you're like, holy shit, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not spending my quality minutes in a way that make me unhappy. Or you never have that and you get to old age and you're like, dang it, really wish I would have because yeah. I know I could have. And this is, and again, this goes back to what we started off our conversation with is these are the conversations 
I want to be having both for fun and professionally day in, day out. And, and I, and I'm realizing more and more and more what my podcast is, even though it's called you winning life, but it really is about having like minded conversations with like-minded people and re- and letting people out there who are then going back to like, well, who's listening to this and why are they listening to this is because everybody who I'm assuming is listening is like-minded with us and they're just not getting enough of that in their life. And this is the tool to get that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like I think your title is brilliant to the podcast because at the end of the day, for me, that's what it does come down to, whether it's the way in which I spend time with my child, uh, the allocation of my time, my energy, my other resources towards the minutes of my life that I want or the ones that I don't want. I do view it as a game. Uh, I, I think there's two theories on life, which is either, you know, this is it. Like you're going to get your 28,900 because your parents had sex and they had you and there you showed up and this is it. And if that's truly the case, then when you die or the, the seconds before you die, like all of those fears, all of those things we wish we would have done, we're going to be like, dang it. Like yeah. there was nothing like I might as well have gone big and, and bold because this is it. That's it. Well, that's the Gary Vee thing, right? Eight billion to one or six billion to one, right? And he's like, you you have a higher chance of being born a, a freckle on an orangutan's butt than a human <laughs> being. And the fact that you're not living fully in gratitude for all of that, like I, I forgot how he described it. It's hysterical, right? It's a six billion, eight billion to one because there's yeah. eight billion people. What is it? How many people are in the unit in the planet? Right? right. And the fact that you were born in a free country with, yeah, even with all the crap that's going on, regardless of whether whatever political spectrum someone holds, it's still cr- yeah. the greater thing is they're still suffering in this universe. And that's not, yes, yeah, that's just you still have a suffering. passport from a first world country <laughs> you, that's going to get you an open correct. ticket. Correct. You, you can still go. decide to get a second job. You can still decide to go back to school. You can still decide to get a side hustle. You can still, de- you yes. have the opportunities at, and even at the most simple level to figure, you can. Uh, flip something off of Facebook, pick it up for free, sell it for $15. You can do that over and over again. Again, that's a Gary. I love, I love the, how like simple and tangible Gary V makes it. And you know, um, but I do think that like we get stuck in that victimhood, whatever our story is, right? I could say I'm a, well, I'm third generation. Well, my grandfather survived the Holocaust and now there's still all the rise of the Nazism again. And I'm, and I'm like, and I talked about this with my last guest. I'm like, I want to know where they are. The beautiful thing about what's going on right now in our landscape of the government is I know where the people who want me and my family and my people dead are. <laughs> They're not hiding in the shadows anymore. Right. They're out in front and center. I know who you are, where you are, where, what office you're holding. It's not, a, so it's not the, a secret anymore. Yeah. It's like the daily question becomes that allocation of energy, that allocation yeah. of time. What is this life that I want? What is, what do I want in my museum? And in the flip side, so that was the one theory in life, which is your parents had sex. You get your 28,900. This is it. The other theory is you actually are something else that before you were born, you were an energy source. Uh, and then you get this to your point, you won the lottery, you get to experience humanity in human form, and you're going to get your 28,900 days in the playground. And then when you die, you're going to go back to being whatever that was before or to heaven, if that's your belief system, whatever. But interestingly, with the end of that dialogue or the end of that reality, you kind of end up in the same place, which is, well, if I don't really die, die, and I'm energy already, and I'm going to be energy again, then I also might as well be brave, be bold, and live a pretty spectacular yeah. life. Yeah. So this, this again, is one of those where when that finally, when I finally understood that, it finally hit me. It gave me the courage to overcome some of the fears that I was holding on to. Um, you know, because you can go through life when you're younger, you can develop a persona of who you are and what you're capable of. And if you're not careful, you'll hold that all the way through to the end. 
when reality is actually telling you something else. And that sure. would be a travesty. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, as you're talking about the way you just described it is you'll remember this, but like a lot, but maybe some of the listeners won't, there was the TV show quantum leap back. In yes. The day. Yeah. Right. And every time he, right. His whole thing was like, he was sent to different reality, right. I mean, in this world, but like different people's lives and jumping, but everything was about fixing, right. He was, he had the opportunity to like, he could have just partied it up in each thing until he ended up back in his own, his own body, but he fixed things along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that whether that's in this lifetime or multiple lifetimes, whatever our emotional reality is and beliefs are about that, like you said, like if option A or option B, we still have the ability to be proactive. Right. And I and I do make it binary in a way like you are. You could have option A or option B. I say, like, listen, you can choose, to, you can be a victim or you can be empowered. But you have to, yeah. you, but to make a list of all of the things that are going on in your life and put a V next to it or put an E next to it. And whatever you're empowered at, great. Amplify that. And whatever you're a victim at, bring your, bring your ass into therapy to, to move it from victim to empowered. Yeah. Because you, you can't just be both at another, the same time. You just painted another great visual for me. So that I used to be a pilot, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. And if we think of that in the aviation terms, that we're, we're the, the captain of our ship, right? And we're, and we're flying around. Now, if I continue to have these behaviors that I'm exhibiting, which are not necessarily optimal, and I want my life to go towards that destination, whether that's, again, I want to experience a beach in Hawaii with whales or whatever, but the way I'm flying now, and people who can't see this can't really tell, but I'm flying a really, really circuitous path to get there because my beliefs are unsupportive. My behaviors aren't necessarily in alignment with that. I may eventually get there, but man, oh man, the time, the fuel, the energy that I'm wasting along that path. So maybe the it's goal exhausting. of life is, yeah, maybe the goal of life is simply we're just trying to like minimize the oscillations, you know, what yeah. can I learn that I can apply in my life? What belief systems that are unsupportive can I drop? What new ones can I add that are actually more in alignment with who I am and where I want to go? So that instead of going way out of the way every few days, I'm actually locked in and I'm heading as close as possible yeah. to straight there. Yeah. That's what reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. It's Oliver Wendell Holmes. And it's like, I wouldn't give a fig for complexity on the far side of simplicity my <laughs> entire life for simplicity on the far side of complexity. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's really what you and I right underneath it all. Right. We're, we're, we, this is what I love about my platform is I get to be, like I said, in front of people who, you know, I get to benefit from and I get to trickle it down into people who I, I'm totally, totally selfish about this. Like I just get like, you know, whatever time I get in front of you for the day. Right. Um, but I really do believe that a lot of what I'm doing as a professional is helping people move to simplicity on the far side of complexity. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's funny how much in life uh, that until you know it, it seems so, so complex. You know, the idea of the anger is a manifestation of fear. I mean, for years struggled with like, okay, why am I feeling this? But yeah. once you know these things and you realize how simple it is, you get to have that wisdom for the rest of your life. And right. to your point about the therapy, like imagine if you've been suffering with something for years and years and years, but someone who has your expertise can help you unlock that you don't have to suffer for another bunch of years and years. You can use the benefits of it actually for the next bunch of decades. That's powerful uh, stuff. It is. It is. And I know, I you know I want to talk into some of more of the tangible tactical things that you're doing. Right? Obviously you have the books, but you have your, your blog, your articles and your courses. Um, I really want to go into the nitty gritty of, of, you know, where, how, what, not, uh, don't give me a two second little thing. I want, you know, I know that people can really have life changing experiences by partnering in some way, shape or form with the guests of my show. 
Yeah. And um, so let's talk a little bit about the courses that you're doing. Let's talk. I mean, you know, if you want to just give a quick, uh, you know, overview on those and then let's touch a little bit on, on each of the books that you've written. Um, and, and so people out there who are listening, you know, they, obviously they're resonating because if they've gotten this far into as many shows as I episodes I put out, they're clearly something that they're getting from each of the guests. And, and I know, you know, what I'm hearing from you is something very substantial as well. So, so let's start there. Let's go through some of the books and some of the courses and what, you know, if, if people are really digging this, that they can take another step and, and move a little bit further. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, the very first book is called the cafe on the edge of the world. And that's one that flowed through me over the course of 21 days. And I will be the first to tell you that had I have not had the courage to leap and go on my backpacking adventures around the world, that book would have written through someone else. Like it is very much of a joint venture with the universe on this one. Um, and I've had the great pleasure of, of interacting with and hearing from so many people from so many different spectrums of life, from 17 year olds who had struggled with eating disorders to people who have, um, struggled with disease and coming out on the other side of that to somebody who's just like me, that was asking the question, isn't there more to life than just what I see out there and thinking that they were the only one who was alone. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful starting point. And, uh, that is my first entry point. I would say to people enter the world of the cafe. And see if you find it as magical as, as I do when I go back there. Because I get a tremendous sense of coming home every time I read it. And if the idea of Museum Day connected with you, there's a book I wrote called The Big Five for Life, which talks about what if we were to actually ask ourselves the very interesting question of what are the five things that I most want to do, see, or experience in my lifetime before I die? And then if I was to allocate all of my resources, my time, my energy, my finances, just towards those five things. And everything else I said, thank you, but no, thank you. And imagine what your life would be like if you did that and where you could go once you gained the confidence of knowing that that was possible with those five things. And so that story is a very emotional story because it's about a man who's 55 and he's dying. And so, you know, on page one that he's dying, you come to love him over the course of the 249 pages and then he dies. And so it's, it's a very emotional read. Uh, and then uh, I wrote another book. I'll just give you three, but I wrote another one called Life Safari, which is about a young man who is trying to figure out life and he, he feels a calling. And I've heard you talk on your show about the way in which you use your intuition. And so he has an intuitive calling to go to Africa and he can't even explain why. And he goes, he saves for two years of his life and he goes to Africa and he meets a very old, very wise woman who offers to walk him across Africa and show him what Africa is truly about. And so the story is about their experiences together as they cross the continent on foot. Um, it's in part based on my life experiences and my time that I've spent in Africa. And uh, yeah, it's a story that people really, really connect with. So if you uh, read those and you say to yourself, you know what? Yeah, like I connect with this guy energetically. I connect with these stories and I want to do this. I want to live an extraordinary life by my own definition of extraordinary then look for something online called the big five for life discovery experience. And that will enable you to discover your personal big five for life and your purpose on the planet over the course of a couple of days. Yeah. So what, so if they do, right. So there's the courses that you have this big five for life course, like what would be, you know, just as a little bit more of a, a little teaser, right. The first thing that they're going to tap, tap into. Yeah. So I would say the first good piece of information for anyone is that you already know your big five for life. My job is simply to help release it. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is, uh, and the reason this course came about, by the way, I had no great like living desire to be the creator of a course by any stretch. 
but people were reading the books and they were saying, can you help me figure out what mine are? And so using the same intuitive process, I started to think what questions would be the ones that could help peel back the layers of the onions, but something simple, right? And so as an example, the very first question that they'll uncover is um, what are the, your three favorite places to shop and why? And when someone's giving me their answers for that, if I was working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, I would hear things like, um, oh, I would ask them to describe the store. They would say, well, it's, it's very big. It's very open. There's a lot of sunlight in it. Or they would say they always have new stuff. Like they've always got all kinds of interesting new things in there. And all I'm doing is looking for clues from the unconscious that are trying to come forth. Yeah. And what's wonderful is at the end of 14 steps, you've put your unconscious has been able to get enough of those clues through the layers that you see patterns. And then those patterns are the answers to what you're looking for. So it's a very easy, it's a very smooth process to help move that information forward from your unconscious to your conscious and let yourself read on paper what already exists inside of you. Love it. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, it's hitting me deeply because so many forget the, like, you know, the start with why with Simon Sinek and all, I mean, those are all, all the, I mean, they're all fantastic, right? Every angle, every doorway in is so fantastic into this, but it's also like pen to paper, right? Or mm -hmm. typing it down or writing it out and speaking it and, and living it and putting it into action steps. And I, I walk through a lot of these similar processes, one for myself, cause I never, you know, until I started going into the world of business coaching and everything uh, for myself and even believing that I was an entrepreneur, which is a whole other story for another time, not just a therapist. Um, it wasn't until I started saying, okay, well, what's the reverse engineer? What am I really being a therapist is a job. Why not? And then why I'm a therapist is, 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 is motivation, but what's the end result mm -hmm. at the end of doing this for 25, 30 years? What I want the outcome to be, well, I helped I had a thousand sessions a year and I, blah, blah, blah. that's, that's okay. I mean, that's very like, that's great. But for me, that's mediocrity for me, mm -hmm. for me. And, and I think going and figuring out what the bigger play is, what the, what's the, you know, every day, what are the things I need to be doing? Who are the clients I need to be working with? Who are the clients I don't need to be working with? Yeah. The, right. So I, you know, I walk through it in a similar way of like, what are my core values? What are my, you know, what are my, the, my five finger, right. My five finger, five priorities. Um, my, my coach Rick goes, if you, uh, when he taught us this, he goes, if you see me walking around through the day doing something that is not in alignment with the publicly proclaimed priorities that I have, you can kick me in the nuts. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm waiting for the day that I, yeah. Yeah. well, it's, I, it's, that's, that brings up something. So, I mean, that's awesome to have someone as your accountability partner and yeah. that's, they're clearly putting themselves out there. Sure. That same practice for everybody who's listening, if you don't want to get kicked in the nuts can be applied on a little less um, painful Intense. level, which is, right. If you know your big five for life and you're thinking to yourself, this is what I want in my museum. When you open up the to-do list for the day or you're closing out your day and thinking about what you're going to do the next day, look on there and say, well, if I do all these things, is this getting me a step closer to living my big five for life? And then if the answer is no, then to your point, something yeah. is, is open to change Sure. or else you're going to get to the end and you won't have done, seen or experienced the life that you truly wanted to. And then the, I think this is the curveball question that's coming up, and I always try to push my clients. A lot of people are saying that their big five or their why or their meaning or their purpose is really – right, that's the mountain. But but they don't realize that that's just the story that only allowed that to mm -hmm. be the mountain versus what's really behind that, the bigger thing that they don't yes. – that whether they're right, I'm not deserving of, I'm not capable of it, so I'm never going to ask for that, or they don't even yeah. know that bigger thing exists – yeah. Yeah. And then once you get this little thing, oh, oh, that was just a speed bump. That wasn't a mountain. 
that I was asking for. And so I, I've noticed with purpose, there's kind of two general philosophies. One is we're either waiting for the big booming voice from the sky. Oh, yeah. Jason, your purpose on the planet. Like, you know, oh my God, it really is God. He's here. She is talking to me. So, and I think that's fed by movies and other things, cultural norms. And, and maybe that's just fed by historical references. I don't know, but I think that happens to people where they get this tremendous moment and they just know. I don't think that's the majority of us though. Yeah. I, I think the majority of us is you're faced with an intuitive calling. Very often it involves a step into the void. And if you courageously take the step into the void, first of all, you're going to be tested in the void. It's amazing how the algorithm, the minute you're like, no, you know what? I want to go to New Zealand and backpack for six months. And then the very next day, after you've committed to this and you bought the backpack, your boss calls and says, hey, we're giving you a promotion. We're moving you to Boston. It is unbelievable the way the algorithm will test your conviction on what Correct. you just said. And create resistance. And, yeah. you know, and, and so much of that, and again, as much as I'm, I'm, I'm a clinical professional, I'm also woo-woo. So I like how like the the universe is testing your your resistance, right? Your 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 these are still a manifestation of our own beliefs. Of course, yeah. something's going to come up to not allow me to travel to New Zealand. There you go. Right, that's already embedded in there somewhere. Where is it going to come up? Where is it going to show up? Ah, uh, see, right, and we still and, and our challenge is to work through those things and like come up with that whatever new paradigm is that's going to yeah. allow us to even if I get a promotion and even if, and I just totally. did this with a teenager with one of my clients and I'm like, they're thinking about leaving the summer job. And I'm like, well, when's if you stay, when's if you stay, what might come out of this? And we got, they ended up deciding, even though they were interviewing for other things and they know they're leaving that someone in their staff said like, Hey, is this just a summer job for you? Are you thinking like, well, I'm going off to college. Oh, well we wanted to offer you a, we already see the, and you double and you double down on your work. They, they got up offered a potential promotion if they were willing to, if they weren't a summer job employee mm-hmm. like see mm-hmm. see yeah. and then I'm like well can is there where you're moving is there another is this is this company exist where oh it's only five miles away from where you're moving did you can you now ask if you take this promotion can it will it apply to this other well can it, can you apply it I didn't even know and well you wouldn't have known if you didn't choose to double down on making it the best case scenario <laughs> as opposed to like let me find another job that'll just pay me the exact same thing yeah but you're not solving a problem and that yeah. you don't realize you're not solving. Yeah. You're running away so, from the resistance. So I think that the stepping into the void is a very typical part of the algorithm. Yeah. You have to demonstrate the test will be there and you need to demonstrate that you're capable of the test and you're, you're committed. What's fascinating though, is that the minute you display the conviction, the algorithm resets so that the test is no longer the primary energy source and it's actually the resources. It's like a video game that, okay, the minute you get past the wall of doom, then you find the 500 gold bonus booster points on the other side of that. And I know this probably sounds laughable and silly to people who are listening, but to me, as I look at the whole macro way in which the universe and the game of life seems to work, this is the way the algorithm is set up. The minute you demonstrate your conviction, you go past the test to confirm your, your conviction that you will get the booster pack. And that will be that random conversation in the Starbucks about going to New Zealand. That will be this kid having a conversation with you, the resource who could help him look at the situation in a totally different way yeah. to enable him to fly over the top of what seemed like an obstacle. 
I just have discovered time and time again that this is the way the algorithm works. And what's fascinating to me is, you know, I, I demonstrated to the algorithm that I was committed to living an extraordinary life by my definition, by leaving everything behind and going backpacking around the world. Jason, at that point, I had no idea that the next iteration of that would be a book is going to flow through you. Right. And that day, I had no idea that a year from now, you're going to hit a bestseller list that, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to be making a movie. Like I had no clue about right. any of that. Yeah. You, but you, you don't even know what you don't even know. That's, you, that's not even like, yeah, not even a fraction of what I know. Right. And it's, but leading, it's leading into that. What you do know is that intuitive calling that is saying, this is where your direction is. And that's what you can, that's what you can latch onto. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to, you know, in case you don't need enough proof from what John is telling you years ago, Boulder, Colorado, someone mentioned to myself and my now ex, like, you know, you guys really should check out Boulder, Colorado. There's this like, you know, whatever it is. And, and then, and then we saw like a few days later, there was a commercial on TV for Boulder, Colorado. I've never seen a freaking. And then all of a sudden a third person, um, randomly within the span of like that month was like, yeah, yeah, you guys should really check out Boulder, Colorado. So like we, and we went out there, she was looking at graduate school at the time. We're like, let's, you know, see what the community's like. And we had friends that were connecting us with friends and we got set up with this couple that were there. Um, she was a therapist and he was a realtor. So we can spend time with them. And, um, we got, you know, I can, if I would bring my practice out there and what the real, you know, what would be to like, you know, renting buy whatever it might be. And it turns out that this gentleman, was also from Scranton, Pennsylvania, where my family's from. <laughs> Turns out that my dad taught him, Gary, you're, yeah, we're, I'm talking about you, um, my buddy Gary now. Uh, my dad taught how to swim when he was a kid at the at the YMHA, the Young Man's Hebrew, whatever, the, the, <laughs> not the YMCA, the Hebrew Association, the, the JCC in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and is subsequently now one of my closest best friends in the world. There you go. Right? So we didn't move out to Boulder, but I picked up a person who is meant to be my best and one of my closest confidants. And, and we have two choices with life in those moments. We can either look at that and say, unbelievable coincidence. Like what you, you'd have to, you'd have to manufacture 43 timelines to make all yeah. that happen. What an incredible coincidence or the 30th time that it's happening in your life or that you're hearing it from trusted sources that we can step back from that and say, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe there's actually an algorithm here that is part of the way this whole game works. And if I'm willing to get smart about it, I can start using that algorithm to my advantage in the same way that I could type in purple cows with pink polka dots a thousand times on Google. And I already know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's it. That's it. If y'all need more of this, then just go directly to John's website. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> or tell us what you need more of, and we'll do a second round for Chronology because we this was a great exactly. conversation. I'm so exactly. grateful we had the chance to uh, spend this time. Oh, I'm so I'm so grateful, right? And I just want to give a shout out to the websites, right? Bigfiveforlife.net is is number one, and johnstrelecki.com, and of course, right, you can go on anywhere to find your books, and um, you know, just I'm sure they can reach out to you, and if they have any other questions and concerns, but John, dude, thank you, thank you, thank you, absolutely, thank you. That was a great pleasure. Enjoyed it a ton. We'll see you in the algorithm. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.